If you're visiting us for the first time, or if uh, you've been away for a couple weeks, we're in part five of a five-part or a seven-part series on the book of Daniel. Daniel. Ah, that's right, Rick, Daniel. And Daniel also happens to be the name of our new youth director, youth pastor, actually. I have to get used to saying that. Um, If you are on our ECC mail list, you found out this week that we have identified our next uh, youth worker. He's a youth pastor, a great guy by the name of Dan Swartz, and he will be actually here next week. You'll get a chance to to meet Dan and his wife, Bethany, next week. Uh, We're so, 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 so thankful that God led him to us this early in the process so that he can be ready to go by fall. Um, Dan and Bethany have actually secret shopped us a couple times. They've been out there and they said, you made it really hard on them because you didn't let them just slip in and slip out. Some of you guys actually came up and said, hi, and you introduced yourself. And then instead of just saying hi and introducing yourself and moving on, you actually ask questions. So like, tell me about yourself. And he's like, uh, what do I say? I'm a youth pastor and worship leader who just happens to be visiting this church. You know, what do you say when there's a search process going on? So anyway, he's, he's great. And, uh, and it's, I'm excited that you get a chance to meet him next week. He'll be here. Uh, so there's that a little bit about Dan Swartz. Let's talk about the book of Daniel. How about that? All right. The book of Daniel. Um, I was in Juarez last week with the teens and I had a chance to meet an old friend and she's not old, but you know, known her for 20 years. That's what I mean by that. Um, and so Wendy Anderson, many of you know, Wendy, and she was just telling us uh, about a trip that she had just gone on to New York city. And it has Laura and I all jazzed because it sounds like New York city is an amazing, amazing place. And when we launched this series on Daniel, that's the framework we took. We said, you know, this book we're going into, it is, it's like taking a trip to, to New York city. There's so much, so much to see. And we want to encourage you, if you're not familiar with this book, or even if you are, to take a deeper dive into it, because there's so much more in Daniel than we could cover in a a year of Sundays. So that was week one. We kind of gave this overview and said, here's a couple points of interest that you might want to drill deeper into. And we gave you some resources that are also printed again in the notes this week, some great resources that could help you um, look at some of those uh, passages and sections with a little more uh, tools to, to help you process it. So that was week one. and week two of the series, we explored the importance of aligning our dreams with God's plans and purposes. That was week two. In week three, we pressed into Daniel's character. There's a lot we can learn about Daniel's character, especially in light of the culture that he was a part of and the similarities with our own. So that was week three. Last week, we confronted the problem of pride. Is pride a problem? Yeah, pride is a big problem. And we took a look at three cautionary tales that came in the form of three different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. One of the verses we looked at last week was this one. This is from Daniel 4.4. Nebuchadnezzar said this. He said, I was at ease in my house. I was prospering in my palace. And we talked about how we got a lot of successful people at this church. And a lot of people, you know, we can find ourselves sometimes in these places where we're at ease. And as great as that is, it can also be a dangerous place because we can forget that it's God who is the source of every blessing. And we can start to think that this blessing came as a result of just us being great or whatever. And we also talked about, we we played that out even further, and we said that when a challenge comes our way in light of what appears to be our own success, we're able to say, oh, I got this, or we've got this. Or the advisors in my life, they got this. And that can be a dangerous place too. 
because it can be an illusion often that we've got this. So what we're going to do this morning, the reason I spent a little extra time talking about week uh, four is now and today in week five, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about almost the opposite end of the continuum. What do you do when you realize we don't got this or I don't got this? What do you do when you're in a situation where it feels like things are out of control rather than in control? What do you do when you feel like I'm doing things right, but things keep going wrong? Or or what do you do when you're like, I want to know what the right thing is. Just tell me. And you you feel like you're not hearing from God. What is the right thing? What choice should I make? I want to make the right one, but I don't even know what it is. Or what do you do when you feel like I know what the right thing is and I don't have the power to do it. I'm trying to live out a God-honoring life, but I feel like I keep falling short again and again and again. You know, what do you do when you cry out to God and he appears to be silent? What do you do when it doesn't feel like you're being blessed when it feels like you're cursed? What do you do when your prayers appear to go unanswered or if you're scared or if you're confused? That's where we're going to go today. And I believe the book of Daniel speaks directly to that. If you've ever felt any of those things, this was really helpful. I... Daniel felt these things too. And here's one of the verses that popped at me as I was really trying to read and pray. What what do you want to say today, God? Um, This is out of Daniel chapter 7, verse 15. Look at this. And this is Daniel speaking first person. He says, as for me, Daniel, my spirit was what? Anxious. And the visions in my head, what? Alarmed me. Now, this, this took some recalibration in my head because I, I, I've been hearing stories of Daniel for almost 50 years. And generally, when you're talking about Daniel, generally what they say is, here's this great man of faith, right? Here's this example of faith. Daniel is a rock because Daniel faced death and yet Daniel stood strong. God rescued Daniel. The good guys won. The bad guys lost. The flannel graph board went back into the uh, cabinet at the end of the Sunday school lesson. We went home and had fry bread. I loved fry bread. Just loved fry bread. That, that was kind of what was taught to me about Daniel, that he's just this rock-solid man of God, and God answered. We're going to take a look at some passages today that are just raw just raw and they give insight to say you know daniel he was scared sometimes and he was confused sometimes and maybe you can see a little of yourself in some of those places too all right well let's begin our journey here if you are um, uh, a note taker i'd encourage you to write this down maybe even if you're not it might be helpful just to have it to recall it later i'd encourage you to write this down faith is often a choice now even as those words come out of my mouth, I'm going to look right into the camera and say, Tony, if you are watching in out east, or Roger, if you're watching down south. Um, Morris, if you're watching from just down the road. I'm not going to make this all about decision theology. All right? Just bear with me. It's just so I don't get in trouble with some of my Reformed friends, some of my Lutheran friends. Um, I want to say, for the record, faith is a gift from God. Can I get an amen? All right? It's not just something you muster up. Faith is a gift from God. And it is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, disclaimers, we're good, right? But what I'm going to do right now with this faith is a choice piece is I want to say this. The the Bible often leaves out all those disclaimers and just talks about faith as as a choice. And there will be times when faith will feel like, and to some degree is, a deliberate act. 
And even Daniel, in that sense, had to choose faith sometimes, didn't he? He had to choose faith. He didn't just feel it. He had to choose faith sometimes. He didn't always walk with a spiritual swagger. He didn't. And he didn't always have the confidence and the clarity that we sometimes see as he stood before those kings. And the example I think of that comes to mind first is just right away in chapter 2. In chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And we acted it out right here on Independence Day weekend, and about four of you were here to see it. It was great. The king had a dream, and none of his wise men could interpret it. So King Nebuchadnezzar was going to have everyone executed because they couldn't get the dream right. So Daniel heard about this. He was on the executioner list probably. So he goes to the captain of the king's guard to schedule an appointment with the king. And he says, I'll have the interpretation by then. And then what does he do? He goes to his buddies. And I'm elaborating a little bit, but go ahead and take a look at yourself in chapter two. He goes back to his buddies and he says, guys, guess what I just did? I just made an appointment with the king on Friday and I told him I was going to have the interpretation of the dream. We got to pray. We got to pray really hard because I don't have the interpretation. You got the interpretation. So he did this. He, He put this appointment on the calendar when he didn't have the answers yet. Wow. To a much smaller degree, we do that kind of thing here, you know, sometimes, especially with our series. You may have noticed on the back of your notes, September 11th, we're kicking off a series called Holy War. (laughs) Does anyone here have all the answers when it comes to war, pacifism, Islam, terrorism, just war, all that? No. (laughs) Will we have them all by then? No. But we're going to pray like crazy, prepare like crazy, read like crazy, so that we have something substantive from the Lord to bring. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to put something on the calendar and then pray like crazy, prepare like crazy. For that day. Well, in Daniel's case, the stakes were exponentially higher with his appointment. If he got the interpretation wrong, it would lead to his dismemberment. And by dismemberment, we don't mean removal from membership like we did in the skit with the kids, right? Okay. No, there was a lot riding on those prayers. And perhaps in chapter 2, Daniel had a bit of anxiety. We don't know because that isn't spelled out, but it is spelled out in chapter 7. It is spelled out there. I want to encourage you right now to take out your yellow insert. You got a bonus insert this week. No extra charge. Come on now. Um, so here, this, I want to, want to just give some context here. And I printed it out because we have a lot of material to cover. And so this will give you an opportunity to just kind of look through it on your own if, you're, if you get bored while I'm talking or, um, or if you're not familiar with the passage. And look on the, pa- on the side that says the reoccurring vision of Daniel 2, 7, and 8 at the top. This is important before we move on to, to kind of put this in. In, in, our, in our minds here. There is a reoccurring dream in the book of Daniel. And what's interesting about this reoccurring dream is it takes different forms and it comes to different people. Right? So in chapter 2, this dream comes to King Nebuchadnezzar in one form with certain images. And then in chapter 7, it comes to Daniel using different images. And then in chapter 8, it also comes to Daniel using different images as well. It's the same prophetic vision or parts of it but it's coming to three different, in three different ways to two different people. Well, in chapter 7, Daniel gets his own version of the same dream that he has already interpreted for King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. And look at the parallels between the way that Nebuchadnezzar reacted and the way that Daniel reacted. So if we could put both 
Of course, we've got them both on the screen already. We got Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. We have Daniel 7, verse 15. This is Nebuchadnezzar's reaction. Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Daniel has a vision of this same unfolding events. And he says this, as for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. And maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe some of you had times in your life where you can't sleep because of all the anxiety and all of the stress. Daniel's been there. And this is not the only time that Daniel experienced anxious thoughts. Now let's compare Daniel 5, 6 to Daniel 7, 28. And this is a different king and a different reaction. Belshazzar, in this, this event that we see in Daniel 5, then King Belshazzar, after he saw this disembodied hand, it was really a pretty freaky thing, he saw his color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. And then Daniel, referring to his own vision, says, as for me, Daniel... My thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my what? Color change. See any similarities between these two reactions? If this were a, 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 a political convention speech in Cleveland, speechwriter would get fired for this, right? It's too close to be coincidence. And yet, the same author, guided by the Holy Spirit, this, this author is writing about two separate incidents. So this is not coincidence. This is Daniel writing these two things. What's Daniel doing? Possibly, he's saying, you know what happened to Belshazzar? I felt the same way. Here's this pagan king. I felt the same way in a different situation. When I got that vision of four beasts, I felt like King Belshazzar did when he saw the ghostly hand writing on the wall. Now, if Daniel were a member of a lot of churches... There would be people that if Daniel confessed that, they said, I was nervous. I had this vision and I was just nervous. I was scared. There'd be places where he'd just get spiritually beat up for that. Someone would take, was it 1 John? I wrote down the reference here. 1 John 4.18 and they'd come at him like it was a club. And they'd say, oh, wait a minute. Perfect love casts out all fear. Whack, whack, whack. All you need to do is just pray harder or something. Whack, whack, whack. Please don't ever do that around here ever, please. Um, because number one, you're taking that verse way out of context. I looked it back up. I looked it up again. I'd be better in English probably. Um, I looked it up again. And you know what the context of that verse is? The context of that verse is if you're in Christ, you don't have to fear God's judgment. And here you are judging somebody, saying you shouldn't feel what you feel. Whack, whack, whack. So don't do it for that reason. Number two, if you set the bar at no fear ever for Christians? No anxiety ever for Christians? You just set that bar higher than Daniel reached. Daniel could not have cleared that bar. And he appears to be a person who had a mature faith. All right, let's look at one more example from Daniel. If you have your Bible with you, I would encourage you to open up to this one. Daniel chapter 8, verse 27. And I want to let you know too, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. And... and Anytime you visit us, um, we have stacks of them there at the tables on your way in and out. They're there for you. Please, please take one home. We would love for you to have a Bible if you don't have one. All right. Daniel says this chapter eight, verse 27. And this is how they, it closes off chapter 
8. And one of the reasons I have you open here, if you have your Bibles, leave it open there, because we're going to spend a little extra time in chapter 9. And it's interesting to see how this transition happens. And the transition from these visions that he has in 7 and 8, the transition into chapter 9, which has a different flavor, is this. And I, Daniel, I was overcome. And I lay sick for some days. And he wasn't just down with some virus. This is the direct result of these visions and, and all these things that are in his head. And then I rose. I went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision. And then what does he say? I did not understand it. Wouldn't it be interesting to take some time on there? Because there's a whole lot of people that preach with a whole lot of confidence on things that Daniel said. Daniel didn't at the time even understand his own prophecy. So just be really careful when, you, when, you, when you've got those ideas that may sound right and may be true. Just be careful about having overconfidence. All right. Many of you can probably relate to this too, where you, you were so overcome with anxiety about something that you, it literally made you sick. It literally made you sick. Perhaps you've been under so much pressure or stress that it actually knocked you out for a couple days or longer. Now, does that kind of stress represent spiritual immaturity or a lack of faith? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. There's preachers who preach that. May I present to you that I think having those moments, that's just part of life. And it's true for pagan kings. And it's true for spiritually mature people. It's just part of life. There's going to be times where we have fear. There's going to be times we have anxiety. And maybe, just maybe, the book of Daniel provides insight. Because here's a spiritually mature person. He experienced these things. What did he do when he did? And what can we learn from him? What can we learn from somebody who did this well? Who had these feelings, who had these anxieties, who had these fears, but he did this well. Let's take a look. All right. And before I say that, I want to say one more thing. Maybe I shouldn't, but I find comfort in the fact that Daniel had these things. You know, apparently he didn't always understand, including the meaning of his own visions, because sometimes it left him confused and fearful, maybe even sleepless. And if I experience those things, which I do sometimes, it gives me just comfort to know it's not just me. Uh, Here's something as we turn this corner. Here's something that a woman named Dawn Spees once said to me. Some of you may, may know Dawn. I changed the wording a little bit, but here's the gist of what she said. There's a place to write this in your notes. And this is one of the reasons I believe that a lot of us are fearful or we have anxiety, even those of us who have a a firm, authentic faith. The God of the able is frequently not the God of the what? Always. Isn't that true? The God of the able is not always the God of the always. And that's why sometimes we have fear. Because we know that God could answer our prayers. He may choose to answer them differently than we expected. He may choose to, to answer them later than we want. He may, the answer sometimes to our prayers also requests is no. And that's, that's fearful because we know that, oh, if it is no, then it might be this. Did God protect Daniel from the lions in the lion's den? Yep. Did, Dan, did God protect Daniel's friends from the flames of the fiery furnace? Of course. But did God always spare Daniel from pain? Almost, Rick. Try again. No, right? That's what you meant to say, right, Rick? Yes. I mean, no. I mean, go on, Pastor Chris. Yeah, God didn't always spare Daniel from pain. Daniel was dragged. Think about that. From his homeland. How did this whole thing start? He was dragged from his homeland into captivity after a siege of his city. It's almost guaranteed that close people were killed in this. 
that he saw atrocities. That if, at the very least, he was separated from those he loved. In my research, one author made this case, and I never even thought about this before, that Daniel was most likely a eunuch in the king's court, which means he was stripped of his ability to ever have a family. And then he had to serve the very king who gave that order. If you follow Jesus, we've got a good, good shepherd. And he'll be there through those dark valleys, but we're going to go through the dark valleys. And in those dark valleys, there are going to be trials, there are going to be hardships, there are going to be persecutions, there's going to be spiritual attacks because hiding in those shadows, the evil one that we sang of in these songs, he's there. He's very real. There's a reason why there's this many refugees in the world. And as we're led through these dark valleys, he's with us, but we're still in these dark valleys. The Lord's rod, his staff will comfort us, but the very need for comfort implies that there will be discomfort along the journey, which is to be expected when our master says, if anyone comes after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Okay, so again, what can we learn from someone who did that well? Let's now turn that corner. Let's look at some examples. And we could use the entire book of Daniel to find these examples, but it's already 10 after 10. So let's look at chapter 9. Let's zero in on chapter 9. Here's some things right from this chapter. Just one chapter, we see some things that Daniel did. All right, some things that Daniel did when he had to walk by faith, when it was more of a choice, when it didn't feel like, Oh man, in this moment, I know what to do. I feel confidence. What can we learn? There's a place to write this in your notes. What can we learn from Daniel about walking by faith when we're confused, when we're afraid, or both? Here and here's one of the first things that we see Daniel practicing. A practice that we see Daniel practicing. And this comes right. I'm just going chronological order. I mean, boy, thank you, Lord. You made this sermon pretty easy. First one, reflect on God's word. I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that because a pastor's supposed to say, oh, read your Bible. This is what Daniel did. Now, there's going to be those that are going to say, no, the Bible wasn't compiled until the third century, fourth century, AD. That, that is so misleading. Here's an example. Just open up. Look at chapter 9. He's reading Jeremiah. Books of the Bible were identified as holy and set apart before they were officially canonized. Again, another sermon for another time. No extra charge for that. Chapter 9 opens with Daniel reading from the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 9 opens with Daniel reflecting on a prophecy that was within it. Um, Next week, we're going to spend some extra time talking about prophecy, but I want to quickly turn your attention to the back of this yellow sheet. Up at the top, it says prophecy and history. This stuff is so fascinating to me. The visions that Daniel saw were so vivid that there are many people, we've referred to this several times throughout our, our, um, our series. Here's a couple examples. They were so vivid that people say there's no way this guy could have predicted these things. This was not Daniel that wrote this. This had to come after, at least after the Greeks. At least after the Greeks. Because some of the things that they said about Greece and what happened with Alexander the Great and how it got divided into four kingdoms, all that kind of stuff, it's just too crazy. So I would encourage you to take a look at some of these examples, get a good study Bible, take a look at all of these prophecies and how they were fulfilled in history. It is just crazy. The reason I bring all that up right now is there are going to be things in the word that are going to be like this, where you can see confidence of how God worked through history. And there's going to be even more than that, even more than that. The word of God, it can bring comfort and guidance and peace 
when you're in the furnace, you've got the Psalms, you've got the Gospels. When you're facing decisions, you've got Proverbs, you've got Paul's letters. There is so much in the Word when you're in those situations and you need that peace. Daniel turned to the Scriptures. He also turned towards God with sincere repentance. And there's a place to write that down too. Turn towards God. When you're in those situations and you're like, where is God? Instead of turning away from him, turn towards him. And as you turn towards him with this this biblical notion of repentance, repentance. And that's what we see. The longest section here in chapter 9, the longest section of Daniel's prayer, it's a prayer of repentance. And if I can be candid, it is so hard to do repentance in this culture. And I think about my own prayers and I think about the prayers so often that we pray. And so often they're about us trying to get God to do what we want, aren't they? Trying to get God to adjust to us. God, would you prove yourself in this way? God, would you, would you do this thing? And can we absolutely bring your request to God? Absolutely. But it's so helpful. How did Daniel start? When he, he had requests he was going to bring. But he started by getting his mind in the right place of, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're God. I'm not God. What an important place to be. Here's an example of, of Daniel's prayer. Verses th- uh, 3 through 4 in chapter 9. He says, Then I turn my face towards the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas of mercy and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and I made confession. Now, I want to point something out here real quick. We pointed this out before in, 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 the, in the service, um, but I want to just draw your attention to it now. Do you see how the second time we use the Lord in this, it's all caps? You notice that? We've said this before. Why, why is, when you see that in your Bible, the Lord, all caps in the Old Testament. Why is that one all caps? You want real quick? It's the, because then it's referring to the, oh, I've got so much work to do. All right, with myself, I always, I always assume that I'm, <laughs> you say something. Okay, um, when you see that in your Bibles, when you see that in your Bibles, what that means is that's the, they're using the covenant name for God. When you see the Lord in all caps, that means they're using the name of God that was revealed to Moses, Yahweh. And it's a word that we don't often speak here out loud because it's considered so holy by many people that they're afraid to ever use it because they're afraid they'll mispronounce it. And so that's why we never want to use it flippantly because it's the covenant name of God, Yahweh. And so when you see it in all caps, that's what's happening there, the the Lord. And what's interesting, one of the reasons I bring that up right now is um, it's used seven times. It only appears in chapter 9 in Daniel. The only place it appears is during this section of Daniel. And it appears seven times. And that's interesting because the prophecy that Daniel was reading in Jeremiah was about 70 years. And then there's the seven uses of Yahweh. And then chapter 9 ends with 77s, this prophetic thing. So again, there's a lot going on here. And I want to encourage you. We're just, we can only get, on, get to so much. You might want to press into that. What's going on with all of these numbers. Well, anyway, all this to say, all this to say that, that there is so much in scripture and it's so important to, to press in. All right, well, let's go back to Daniel's prayer. His prayer continues with this, uh, verses four and five. Oh Lord, this prayer of repentance, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We've acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. 
Again, repentance is about adjusting to reality. It's about remembering God is great and he's awesome and he's righteous. And it's us who need the adjustment to him. That's an important framework and it's repeated throughout. One more example, verse 14. The Lord is righteous in all his works that he has done and we have not obeyed his voice. All right, well, fire can refine our faith. It can draw us closer and deeper to Christ. And that flows into our next talk point. There's a place to write this in your notes. What else did, did Daniel do? He did. He, re- he presented his request to God with humility. Is it good? Is it, is it an invitation from Scripture to bring a request to God? Yes. What we see with Daniel, he does that with humility, with an understanding of your God and I'm not. Last week, we learned that humility is best practice when things are going well. This week, we also see humility as best practice when things are not. Again, does God want us to present our quest? Yes. He is a good father. He loves to give good gifts. And humility helps us remember that God is merciful and good, and he knows what he's doing. In a message series a, a few weeks back, maybe a month or so ago, Brandon talked about prayer and how it's the act of forming our hearts to the hearts of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. Isn't that good? Prayer is about forming our hearts to the heart of Jesus. I like that perspective. And I can't tell you how many times I had to remind myself right in the search process. Okay, wait a minute. We find a candidate and we're like, oh Lord, yeah, this one. Give us this one, right? Have this person say yes, but we have to remember, wait a minute, that's not what we want to pray. Because that person might be a better fit somewhere else. It's tempted to pray, Whitney, stay here forever. That's not fair for us to pray that prayer. We can feel it. We can say, God, if you, it's your will. But we want you to go where you're supposed to go and do what you're supposed to do. And so in all things, for us to have that, when we bring our perspective to say, okay, God, here's what I want. You know my, my desire. And the word says he knows our prayer before it even is formed on our lips. And as that's true, also have the humility. You're God and you know what you're doing and, 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 and to keep that in mind. Here's, here's how that prayer takes a form in, in Daniel. Daniel, picking up with verse 18, he says, My God, incline your ear and hear, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. All right, as we present our petitions, let me show you something else I noticed. In response to Daniel's prayer, God sends the angel Gabriel, and he says these words to Daniel. He says, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas, a word went out, and I've come to tell it to you, for you are what? You're what? Say it out loud. Greatly loved. Isn't that what it all comes down to? Because if we're not greatly loved, then forget it. Then we're, then we're begging for mercy from an uncaring God who could change his mind. It all comes down to this. Why would you trust a God if you're not greatly loved? If you don't know that he has your best interests in mind? It all comes down to that. And I encourage you to write that down in your notes. Remember that you are greatly loved. There's no point in trusting God if that's not true. When you're going through those hard times, which you all go through, when you're feeling anxiety, when you're confused and you're looking for guidance, if you don't, if you don't know that, that you're greatly loved, then what is the point of trusting God? Then trust in yourself. 
because at least maybe you have a chance of someone who cares about your interests. But the reality is we are greatly loved. And we're presenting our request to a good father who wants the best for us and for our world. And how do we know that we're greatly loved? Because the most terrifying of the beasts here in these prophecies was which empire? It was Rome. Because Rome, in these visions, the other ones, they could, the, the vision could have an animal that corresponded to the kingdom. Do you notice in Rome it doesn't? The terrifying beast in Rome, it doesn't even have an animal you can compare it to. All it says, it's got these iron teeth. In fact, one of the interesting things about the visions, the reoccurring vision of Rome, iron keeps coming up in the, the visions. Iron, this is the strongest. The world had never seen an empire like Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, really. Then they hadn't seen one like the Persians. Then they hadn't seen one like the Greeks. And then they hadn't seen one like Rome. And Rome was terrifying if you got in its way. And it was like iron because it rolled over everyone. And Jesus of Nazareth confronted the Roman Empire. The empire made of iron. And fragments of iron ripped his back. And nails of iron pierced his hands and pierced his feet. And Jesus knew that day was coming. Like Daniel, he envisioned this horrific thing that was going to come to pass. And we see his own anguish in the garden, don't we? Jesus' own anguish. Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You know, in, in, in Daniel, we see references to two angels, Gabriel and Michael, and we get a glimpse of how powerful and terrifying they were. Jesus had at his disposal at least 12 legions of angels that he could have called upon, you know, to come at Rome. I don't even know how many legions, probably a one maybe in Jerusalem at the time of soldiers for Rome. Instead of calling, they, they gave the stand down order to the angels. Why do we know we can trust God? Why do, why do we know he loves us? Because he allowed himself to go and to be pierced by those iron nails. And the good news, here's where it gets just blows my mind. You talk about power of prophecy, power of God working through history. The good news of what God did in Christ, it spread over whose roads? The Roman Empire's roads. We talked about this before. The language was written in what language? Greek, which was one of these empires. How did the people even get back to Jerusalem? Because of the Persian Empire, Cyrus's degree, that's one of these. How did Daniel even get in the court where he was, became this prophetic voice who Jesus later quotes? It was the Babylon, Babylonian Empire. God was moving empires around like chess pieces. Can God be trusted with us? Yeah. This God that's powerful enough to move nations like chess pieces, the God who loved us enough to let the Roman iron go through his hands and feet, he can be trusted. God knows what he's doing, even when we don't understand it, and you're greatly loved by him. This morning, I want to encourage you to place your full trust in this God of the able, but not always. And I want to close by just reading through the lyrics of a song that has brought me a lot of hope. Um, at different times when I feel like, God, I don't understand this or I understand it and I'm scared or I don't like it. Here's a song that's brought me hope. If you've been around here a lot, it won't surprise you that this is a Rich Mullen song. He writes this in his song, Hard to Get. 
He says, and he's talking to God, he goes, I know you bore our sorrows. I know you feel our pain. And I know it wouldn't hurt any less, even if it could be explained. I want to hit pause on that lyric for just a second. I saw Imitation Game, finally. How many of you have seen Imitation Game? Some of you have seen that movie? Okay, once again, here's an illustration that no one... But okay, so I did this once with this Muppets, you know, and I'm like, no one saw the Muppets? I feel like so. All right. Okay, so imitation game. Let me quickly summarize this. In the imitation game, it's about uh, this, this, this team that's trying to break the Nazi code in World War II. And, and they, they actually crack the code. And as they crack the code, they, they have all these maps. Now they know where all these ships are. And they know where the, the Allied ships are. And they know where the Nazi ships are. And they look and they go, wait a minute. Right now, while we're having this conversation, we just broke the code. And, and look at this. These Nazi ships are on intercept. They're going to take out this convoy. And so one of them goes to grab the phone and say, we got to let them know. And, and this, the guy who heads up the team, he takes the phone, he throws it against the wall. And like, what did you just do? He says, if we let them, if we call, if we call in a strike right now, they're going to know we broke the code. We can't do this. And one of the guys says, we have to do this because my brothers, I think it was, are on that convoy. And they had to make a decision. They, they realized the what we have to do is something we don't want to do. We're going to have to let that convoy get attacked. And it didn't hurt any less to know that this had to happen. There will be times in your life that's, that's the way things are. There will be times where we have to go through something for a greater reason. All right, real quickly, some more lyrics to this song. And, and I know that I'm only lashing out. Rich Mullins cries out in his song. I know I'm only lashing out at the one who loves me most. And after I've figured all this out somehow... Here's what I need to know is if you who live in eternity hear the prayers of those of us who live in time, we can't see ahead and we can't get free from what we've left behind. I'm reeling from these voices that keep screaming in my ears all the words of shame and doubt, of blame and regret. I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. Isn't that where Christianity starts? Where we're lost enough in humility, we say, God, I put my full trust in you. Will you lead me through this dark valley? And if you do that and continue to walk that path, whether in this life or the next, I can guarantee these next words will be true, that one day you'll discover that he's been there all along, I guess. It's just your ways. And you're just plain hard to get. Let's close in prayer. Father, um, there are so many times where you are hard to get. Where what makes sense to us, for good reasons, isn't what you choose to do. Lord, may your spirit descend upon us so that we could come to you today trusting you to lead us through the dark valleys that we face, the the confusion that we face, the anxiety that we face. And we're so thankful, God, that in your sovereignty, you didn't ever um, create a world where we were supposed to walk alone. But Lord, help us to come alongside one another and not beat each other up with a club, but just the opposite, to really listen, to really understand and to encourage us all to to put our trust 
in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you'd like to continue these prayers, we'd love to have pray with you in the back. God bless you. Have a great week.